to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. It is January 27th, 7th, January 27th, 2024. And, uh, man, it's been a lot going on, y'all. A lot going on. Just, I feel like I'm in a race. I mean, technically, the Christian life is a race, but... I for real feel like my race isn't just like, you know, a marathon, you know, mine is like the marathon with the hills and the, and it has hurdles, hurdles, hills and hurdles. And I'm just hopping over them things, hopping over them things, not even, not even nicking, not even tapping, not even my toe ain't even, my toenail ain't even touching the hurdle. We just clearing them jokers like it ain't nothing. So anyway, uh, what is it? Dun, 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 dun. It is what's today's day? Uh, I already said it. See, I'm out of it. Yes, once again, it's twenty seventh on Saturday. This month is almost over, y'all. This month is almost over. So here we are. We are in Exodus 35, reading out of the NLT. Instructions for the Sabbath. No, we're not going to read out the NLT. KJV, my bad, y'all. building of the tabernacle and Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel he gathered them all together and said unto them these are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them six days shall work be done but on the seventh day there shall be to you an holy day a Sabbath of rest to the Lord whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death ye shall kindle no fire throughout your inhabitations upon the sabbath day it's very interesting i feel like we've had this conversation before about i've told you all personally believe jesus is our sabbath that you don't necessarily have to keep a specific day um like I've talked about my grandma who keeps the Sabbath religiously. She doesn't do any work on Saturdays, doesn't go anywhere, doesn't drive anywhere other than go to church, which right now she's been doing it like over the phone. My uncle somehow called, like does some kind of, somehow he Zooms her in or something like that. She doesn't have Zoom, but somehow she's able to He calls her and she's able to listen to the sermon over the phone. Something like that. Uh, Anyway, because my uncle's the pastor of the church. But yeah. um, Ever since COVID COVID hit, she stopped going to the actual physical building. Um, Anyway, Sabbath. Uh... I personally believe, once again, Jesus is our Sabbath. I think it is important to at least have at least one day off every week where you're not working, not thinking about working, not yeah, just spending time with the Lord and his word and with other Christians and just not working a job, period. That's important. Um, If you don't, and Sabbath is some, like something that we can practice not just observing a day, but throughout our day, just like saying, Jesus, I'm going to rest in you right now. Like, I'm just going to focus on you. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to listen to this worship music. I'm going to just, Lord, I'm here. If there's something you want to say to me, great. You know, otherwise I'm just going to enjoy your presence. You know, I'm going to enjoy right now. We're experiencing the Sabbath, Sabbath rest. I think one of the greatest Sabbaths, Sabbath rest you can do or partake in is spending time in God's word. Just soaking in the word of God. Um, it's so important to get this down in your spirit because when you go through tests and trials and tribulations and yeah, you're on this journey on this uh, marathon and you uh, 
encounter those hills and those valleys and those hurdles, you're going to need the word of God to keep you and sustain you. Or when you encounter people who are going through hard times themselves, uh, it helps to have the word of God in you because then you can give them something. You can sow a seed into their life. You may not have money. You may not have, uh, yeah, you may not have very many resources to give them, but you can give them a word of encouragement. You can give them, I don't know, sometimes you got to be careful because uh, <laughs> it can come across as like religious or some people use the word of God to beat people over the head or like scold them or I don't know. You know how it is. People can like, you can shoot somebody. You can injure somebody. Because it's always like, I always say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's your delivery. So, anyway. There's been times. Many of y'all who have been listening for a while. um, I've shared about how I carry around these little scripture cards. Uh, where it will say Jesus loves you on one side and have a scripture on the other. And there's been times where I probably was a little prideful uh, where or my delivery was wrong. Like I I was going to hand I hand I went reach out to hand the person the card, the Jesus loves you card and or like put it through the crack. Like I'll knock on the window and be like, hey, I just want to give this to you. <laughs> And they'll be like, no, thank you. And I always one guy just toss it in the window of his car anyway. I was like, you're going to get this. You're going to get this Jesus loves you car. <laughs> and this scripture, you're going to get it. And he, I'll turn around. He had tossed it on the ground. So I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, Sabbath rest, the word of God, prayer, worship, spending time with other believers. Let's go. Verse two, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there should be to you an holy day, a Sabbath rest to the Lord. Technically, Saturday it, today is the Sabbath. Some people get caught up on that. Uh, all that stuff. Sunday is the first day of the week. Some people choose to treat Sunday as like their Sabbath rest day. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Uh, whosoever doeth work, I encourage y'all to go to gotquestions.org, and I'm sure they pretty have, they probably have some great articles about this topic of Sabbath. It's one of my go-to websites for good biblical commentary. Once again, it's a per. How do I say this? I don't. For those of y'all have been married or experienced marriage, or those of y'all have saw like your parents had a good marriage. Do you remember those like days when like it was like the weekend and your parents didn't have to work? And I know my parents, one of their favorite things to do on the weekend was just like take naps. <laughs> I hope my future wife likes to take naps. Um, And they would just be like laid up in their bedroom, just chilling. And shit, I don't want I don't want to know. I don't I don't want to know what else they were doing back there. But um. I said, shoot, not this word. That might have sounded like I, I cursed just now, but I promise I didn't. <laughs> I had to clarify. I was like, as I said, I was like, oh, that probably sounded like I cursed. No, I tried not to curse. Uh, I used to have a really bad cursing problem when I was in middle school. I picked up on all the slang and curse words from them kids at Kirby Junior High. Anyway, stay focused, Aaron. All right, my parents, they used to be laid up in the back room in their bedroom just chilling watching movies, napping on the weekend. My brother and I, I used to hate it sometimes because my brother and I were not allowed to go outside when mom and dad were sleeping. I was like, huh. It was like when, like when we were really young, that was one of their rules. Well, I'm trying to remember at what age I was allowed to go outside. It must have been the rule even in high school or middle, at least when my brother was there. I need to ask my brother and my mom about that, what the rule was. Because I felt like, yeah, we couldn't go outside when mom and dad were sleeping. So that was kind of annoying. But um, I would just play video games or find other things to do. But watch movies or play with my toys. 
But uh yeah. Um Yes, relationship. When I think of a relationship with Jesus, it's kind of like doing things like this sometimes. It's like, hey, Jesus, I'm here. I'm slowing down. I'm not in a rush. I'm not focused on money right now. I'm not focused on TikTok. I'm not focused on a woman. I'm not focused on whatever fill in the blank thing I could be doing right now. It's just me and you, Jesus. I'm, I'm focusing my attention on you and the word. You know, just spending quality time. That's why I love Chew the Bible. This is like one of those things that I do that is one of the ways I feel like spending quality quality time with the Lord. So it restores my soul. It's like charging up an electric car or charging up your phone battery. It just recharges my battery. All right, so... Where was I? That's what I think of when I think of the whole concept of Sabbath. There's even a scripture that says man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. I don't know where that is, but y'all can go look it up. Uh, Now, this is pretty powerful. Like, this is why some people are very, very legalistic about the Sabbath concept. I feel like because of the scriptures like this, under the old covenant, not under the new covenant. All right, so we go. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there should be to you an holy a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. And whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. Now, it's funny because... That part, I think that's where my, um, like, the the religion, like, on my, my grandpa on my other side of the family, on my dad's side, out in Virginia, they had a rule where people weren't supposed to technically drive to church because, like, where they would say, like, you're not supposed to kindle any fire on the Sabbath day because when you, you know, cars, they have spark plugs, they have to have a spark is required for the engine to start, for it to fire up, start burning that oil and be able to drive, right? So, Grandpa, everybody else, apparently, my dad used to, t- used to tell me stories like, Grandpa told everybody else they had to walk to church, but he would bend the rules for himself because he's the pastor and I'm not trying to talk disrespectfully about my grandpa or talk bad about him. This is just how apparently they used to think back then. Uh, and just that religion can be so crippling. It can be so controlling. And I feel like it's like wearing a straitjacket. It's like a prison. Yeah. It's a new form of bondage. You know, there's no freedom in religion versus relationship cares about the person's heart um anyway we'll, we'll talk about that more later but all right so yeah my grandpa would tell every apparently apparently this is what my dad said this is the word of my dad i could be wrong but apparently everybody else is supposed to walk to church but he used to go drive and his his not his reasoning for it I was going to use the word excuse, but I'll say his reasoning for it was that he was going to pick up the elderly folks in our like the people that couldn't really walk very well and take them to church the mothers the older mothers right and i could see where the bible says you know take care of the widows and the orphans right uh anyway and let's keep going all right verse four and moses you know that's the funny thing about religion it's like when you create one law then you need another law to justify the other law versus like freedom in christ is so much easier and just being led by the holy spirit and knowing that the steps of a righteous man are ordered and the holy spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth so the word of god is a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path like anyway jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father the father has a relationship with god except through me he will lead you and guide you into all truth 
versus religion is like, all right, what is rule number 100? Oh, this is a guy on TikTok. And he's going around and asking these different women about like what they look for in a, in a future husband or boyfriend or whatever, and a guy. And he's like documenting all these things that these women are saying. And he has like a list of like almost 600 items on it. And uh, it's just funny as he keeps adding things on to the list. Like, I got to be able to cook. I got to be able to. uh, Yeah, I'm not allowed to cry. I got to be tough. I have to be a provider. I have to make $100,000. I have to. (laughs) Imagine if our relationship with Jesus was like that. Um. Like he took the Ten Commandments and whittled it down into two that are easy to remember, because it used to it was like three hundred or four hundred. I don't know, you know, I could, you know when it talks about um, like when we get into Leviticus and all that stuff. Uh, I've talked about this before. Like the Jew, the Jews had like these talits these little scarf things that they wear and on the end of them there are all these little tassel things and apparently each one of them like in the strands and the strings like represented the jew the i don't know over like 400 jewish laws that they were supposed to keep and then they like will memorize them jokers that was like on top because first he gave them the ten commandments and then they came up or technically god gave them like 400 different rules and laws or something like that but Jesus came, and I'm just just talking off the dome. Some of this stuff could be wrong, y'all. Go fact check it. Go read Bible got gotquestions.org. Go read the Bible for yourself <laughs> and study this stuff and do commentaries on it. Look at commentaries on it. But I'm just saying off the top of the dome things that I read, right, or my understanding of it all. So it's like the the Israelites, the Jews, they got Ten Commandments first, right, after Aaron was tripping. Like from Moses, the tablets, right? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's donkey, all that stuff, right? Uh, and then I think six of them deal with uh, relating to... Four of them deal with relating to God, and then six of them deal with relating to our fellow man. Anyway, he took the, the ten, then he had to give them like 400 or something because they were wilding out and sleeping with their cousins and their mother-in-laws and all, they were doing crazy stuff. It was like 435 maybe. I don't know. I don't know why that number sticks out in my brain. Um, go fact check that. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus came to fulfill the law, right, he whittled it down into two. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, basically, Jesus should be your first, your last, your everything. And then love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my neighbor as myself if I don't first love Jesus and know how much he loves me. If I don't know my identity in Jesus Christ, then I'm going to be walking around here confused. And yes, I can be a good person. Right. But that. That has a fuse on it. Eventually, that fuse is going to burn out. You're going to eventually start snapping at folks. Right. At least I would. My trying to be a good person is just like driving this electric car. Like eventually. I'm going to have to go recharge. I feel like God is trying to speak prophetically to us through electric cars, even though our the grid is, uh, <laughs> it needs some work. The infrastructure, especially here in Missouri. Anyway, I'm getting off topic, y'all. Let's keep going. Verse four. I'm only on verse four, y'all. How much time we got left? Oh, we only had 20 minutes. Verse four. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded saying, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins, dyed red and badger skins and shittim, shittim wood. Once again, I'm not cursing, I promise. And oil for the lights and spices for anointing oil and for the sweet incense 
and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. That's what Aaron, the high priest, was supposed to wear. I bet it was gorgeous. I've seen pictures on Google of what the ephod looked like. Now we have the ephod we wear is the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, and it's all because of Jesus Christ. So the breastplate of righteousness is kind of like the ephod. You know, in, in the New Testament where Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, all that stuff, that the breastplate of righteousness is like the ephod um, and the significance of the ephod, y'all can go fact check this as well, is I believe it was for, yeah, any, the high priest, uh, I was about to say Adam, Aaron, he couldn't just approach God in any old kind of way. Uh, we can take something from that too, because sometimes we try to approach God in just a nonchalant kind of way. Um, we should still have honor and respect for when we approach God, just like you would an, a parent, right? Um, it's, it's all about our body language, our tone, our attitude, our heart posture, because that's what I was going to say. Look at this. Scroll back up, y'all. What did it say? Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. That alone right there, whosoever. I love that phrase, whosoever, because it makes me think of whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever. That's you. So anyway, let's keep going, y'all. The greatest thing we can do is just show up to God daily with a with a heart. It's like, Jesus, I'm here. I'm not perfect. I have these struggles. I have these challenges. I have these 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 situations and problems in my life, Lord, but I'm here. I'm drawing close to you. James 4, he said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Coming to him with a, like with my kids, I can tell when their hearts are hard toward me versus like their hearts are soft toward me. I can just, like they don't even have to say anything. I can just look at them and their actions, not just their actions, but their body language, all of it shows me what kind of heart they have toward me and it really it really just being a father is it's one of the most challenging things in the world but one of the most rewarding things and even though if I could do it all over again I would have waited to have kids till I was at least the age that I am now but one of the cool things about being a father at a young age, getting married when I was 20. And then having my first child, my daughter Leah, when I was 21. And just all the situations and circumstances and stages of being a father that I've gone through, especially now as a single father and as a co-parent, right? Um, And just my circumstances right now, I won't really get into that a whole lot right now. But just like seeing the progression, the progression of myself as a dad and then like seeing like how my kids have related to me over the years from especially just like we'll just talk about my daughter, Leah, just from her being a little baby and this cute little baby just in my arms. It's like loving me unconditionally, excited to see me smiling and then now, and then, yeah, the toddler stage and the uh, seeing her just grow up. And then now she's a teenager, man. She's a freaking freshman in high school. And just like how we relate now. And it just, the communication isn't the greatest. Some of that is, a lot of that I'll say is on my end, things that I could do better. I really just need to write my kids a letter. Anyway, I'll talk. I'll talk about that some other time. Just 
challenges of being a single father and co-parenting and child support and all that kind of stuff. And just, I don't feel comfortable right now just really going into my situation because it's kind of a little bit depressing. But, um, but hey, I know it's things are turning around. It's only a matter of time. Um, things are trending up. Even though it doesn't always feel like it because we do not focus on what is seen. But what is unseen, because for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's a scripture somewhere. Go look it up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we're going to focus, or as one of my brother always says, look past what your eyes can see. And I see, I see me and my kids reunited, reunited, and it feels so good. I see myself with a beautiful new wife. I see myself getting along with their mom and just being able to be friends with her. Uh, I see me in a new home out there in the area that they live in. Um, I see just restoration on all fronts. I see my brother, my big brother, being able to spend time with his kid, his kids again. And just this, all the pain and the, the distance and the just forgiveness, like just a sea an ocean of forgiveness. Just like the Bible says that he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. I I pray, yeah, that for forgiveness and restoration and healing in my family, all those hurts and those pains, those things that we wish we had never, well, we should have never said and wish we never said, those hurtful words, those the time of just being absent, um, just, just forgiveness and restoration and being able to uh, heal and move forward and grow, grow and being quick to forgive, quick to, even if there's boundaries there, just like having heavenly boundaries, you know, to where like, we just really love each other unconditionally, especially in our family. And friendships. I'm looking forward to that. All my child support being paid off. Shoot, my child support is being completely removed altogether. I'm just working something out with their mom to where uh, I just, you know, just be like, hey, I just, when they have needs or whatever, just they, I take care of the need, you know? Um, just having. Having more than enough, too, to take care of them. Um, for it to not feel like a burden. Um, yeah, f- being able to podcast and make audiobooks and to play my trumpet again and just write and just be able to do the things God created me to do. And help heal men so that men so they can heal their communities through my writing in this podcast um, and be able to do this full time and not have to go work a job or not even have to do this real estate stuff, you know, not have not have to do anything every day to get to do the things that I enjoy doing. Like that's that's those are the things I look forward to. I'm, I'm speaking it out loud and declaring by faith that this will be my life going forward. All right. I don't know how I got on that, but we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and all that, the ephod and all that. All right. Verse 10. And every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded the tabernacle, his tent and his covering, his tachets, or how we say that, and his boards and his bars, his pillars and his sockets. There's a walket. Here's a story when I was a kid. Uh, when my kids were little, I used to like to read. It was a Dr. Seuss book called There's a Walket. In my pocket, whenever I see the word socket, it makes me think of that book. There's a walket in my pocket. I don't even remember how the rest of the book goes. I just remember there's a walket in my pocket. I need to find that. The ark and the staves thereof with the mercy seat. Thank God for the mercy seat. Thank God for his mercy. Where will we be? If it had 
not been for the Lord on my side. Tell me where would I be? Ba-doom, 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 ba-doom. Where would I be? It's amazing how we are so slow to show other people mercy and we are quick to forget how much mercy God has shown us. Mercy is withholding the punishment that we deserve. We all deserve death. And some of y'all are like, what did I do? Why do I deserve death? Why was I born into this world technically dead? Unalived, right? It's because of what our great, 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 great grandparents did. They weren't great, as Tony the Tiger would say. They weren't too great when they ate that fruit and disobeyed God and they introduced sin into the world. God could have destroyed Adam and Eve right there. He could have wiped mankind off the face of the earth and be like, we could have been like, you know what, I'm going to start all over. I'm going to create some new humans and give them another new test. That's what I would have done. I would have hit the reset button. Uh, like on a video game. Well, let's try this again. Let's give them a test again. Here's the tree of life. And here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that tree over there. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. Let's see how this goes. Oh, man, they failed again. <laughs> like. God could have just kept starting all over again or made them into robots to where they did exactly what he wanted him him them to do. He wanted them to do. But no, that's not that's not God. So next time somebody asks you the question of why is why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much evil in the world? Is because of free will. God didn't make robots. Anyway, one day he will restore it and make it all better. Uh, but yes, mercy, grace, and then, yeah, mercy is him withholding the punishment that we deserve, right? Death as a result of sin for things that we didn't even do, right? Things our ancestors did. And then grace is giving us what we don't deserve. So, yeah, giving us salvation, giving us... Th- eternal life it's a free gift either you accept it or you don't he he doesn't force it on you anyway grace grace mercy and grace that's something we could use more of in the world even i i could work on that myself extending more mercy and grace to people All right, the ark and the staves thereof with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering. I've talked about that veil multiple times on different recordings. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. Right now, there is a slight veil over us right now where we can't see Jesus, but pretty soon when we cross over into heaven, uh, that veil will be completely removed and we'll be able to see him as he has fully seen us this entire time. Verse 13, the table and his staves and all his vessels and the showbread, the candlestick also for the light and his furniture and his lamps with the oil for the light and the incense. The incense altar and his staves and the anointing oil and the sweet incense and the hanging for the door at the entering in of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering. Let's see where we're at in time. Oh, 34 minutes. The altar of burnt offering with his brazen grate, his staves, and all his vessels. The laver. The laver. However you want to say that. I'll just say laver because it looks like lavender or laver. Yeah. And his foot, the hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets. There's a walket in my pocket. And the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron. Hey, that's why it's it's good to name your child somebody in the Bible, because every time they see they read the Bible. 
they'll see their name. It might even encourage them to read the Bible more because they'll be like, hey, I'm in there. This book has me in it. It's about me. <laughs> technically, the Bible is about us. It's a love story. It's technically all about Jesus. But it's a love story by Jesus. Well, it's a love story written by God. Technically, he used men to write it. But it told, like, technically, God is the original author because the Bible says he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He records all of our sufferings or all of our wanderings in his book. The Bible even talks about the Lamb's book of life. <sighs> anyway, yes, the Bible is a love story where Jesus is the main character or the main the what would they say the protagonist right the hero of the story and we are his bride we he we're like yeah the story i was gonna say rapunzel or um princess jasmine but i ain't gonna go that far but uh yes it's written to us if you view the bible more as a love story about jesus written to us it will versus like a, a book of laws and rules, which some people view it as, then it will complete like it will completely. I'm going to do a post about that on TikTok as soon as I'm done. It will totally change the way you view the Bible, how you read it, how you approach it, how you even approach your relationship with Jesus. If you view him as somebody who's constantly writing love notes to you he wrote one big love note and every day he is sending you you oh man that was one of the coolest things one of the things i learned from my dad sometimes he would take these little sticky notes this little tip for you married guys he would my mom would do it for him too they would my parents like really loved each other like my parents marriage didn't ended up they ended up getting divorced after 34 years of marriage but they they really, really loved each other. They met each other when they were, my mom was 13 and my dad was 18. And I, my parents had a, it wasn't perfect marriage, but it was ultimately like a great marriage. Like it had its issues. It, yeah. There was a little bit of toxicity in there, but like ultimately like that black love, man, there's something about it. It's, it's it, there's nothing like it. It's hard to duplicate marriage between them to a black couple. Because black, it's just hard enough being black in this world. And then if y'all can like overcome adversities of this world together, oh man, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's And to stick by somebody's side for a long time. Oh, I'm getting off on a tangent, y'all, but I got to go here. Somebody recently posted something about how like, yeah, they were talking about, yeah, the relationship between you and your kids, like when you have a child, especially a mom, like what's what's the dads? We we be we be tripping, we be rolling stones, as the temptations would say. But y'all mamas, y'all for the most part, there are some mamas out there that be abandoning their kids. But for the most part, a lot of moms, good solid black mamas, especially grandmas, they will never abandon their kids. Right? You are their there. You are their child for life. You no matter what you do, no matter what you say. No matter what you could, your mama usually is going to, it's like one of the only people in this world that's going to love you unconditionally. It almost makes you cry thinking about it. And usually moms outlive their dads, right? Um, yes, moms are one of the greatest examples typically of showing unconditional love, right? You may not always get it. I'm not really much of a mama's boy. Um, my brother, I feel like kind of has a closer relationship with my mom than I do, but I still love my mom. Right. Where am I going with this? Oh, this woman gave, said this, posted this video about how, why is it that we as parents or moms like can show our kids so much unconditional love, right? And say that we're, that is your child for life. I'm never abandoning you. I'm never getting rid of you. I'm never cutting you off. Right no matter what you do, but, and give you a million billion chances, right? But 
in a marriage relationship, somehow we don't treat it the same. We're like, it's almost like, it's like, oh, that's a different type of relationship. As soon as you do this, this and that, I'm done. You know, um, we have these outs, these reasons for getting out of a relationship. Like, I'm, it's, yeah, it's not like I'm, you say it's not till death do us part. Yes, in a child, parent-child relationship, we treat it more like till death do us part. But in a marriage relationship, we don't follow that same vow. That's a good question. Off the top of the dome, the only reason why I think that, why it is that way, if I had to like kind of guess or come up with a, with an answer for that, I think part of it is because we show a child more grace Um there's something about that bond, Oof. especially between a mom and a and a baby. Like, I feel like the bond is much stronger. Like they even like do that thing when as soon as the mom has the baby, they have the baby sit on the mom's. They have the mom hold the baby, and the baby you know starts breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. There's all there's a lot of things early on the smells the the touch all of that that bond is so strong early on between a parent a, especially a mom and a baby versus like even dads like they don't they don't they usually don't get to hold the baby right away they might get to hold the baby like for a few seconds or whatever <laughs> and then they quickly get that baby right back to the mom I wonder if they did an experiment, if they allowed the babies to bond with dads more early on, like even like have the dad take off his shirt and like, I'm not necessarily saying breastfeed, but like lay next to the, on the, have that baby lay on their dad's chest. Um, when the baby's first born, how that would like impact the bonds between parents, I don't know. Anyway, what was my point? I was trying to say, I'd be getting, I'd be just talking, y'all. But I was ultimately saying, back to that one point about why, the question of why we treat mother or parent child relationships and treat them until death, as death, till, till death do us part versus marriages, not as till death do us part. And I think the biggest answer I would think my answer to that would be is the bond, that early attachment. How did you attach to your spouse early on? That in the the attachment that you form with a spouse typically is not it doesn't even compare to the attachment between a child and their parent. I can I have vivid memories of all four the birth of all four of my children. Now, I remember my oldest daughter the most. I remember her birth the most. I need to do, I'm going to do videos on the stories of when my children were born, like what that was like, what I remember just off the top of the dome. I remember out of, I remember Leah's birth the most, like details. I should have written some of this stuff down. I are videotaped, video recorded this, like memories. I journaled about it when they were born. But I remember, I even remember the name of the hospital. I only remember the, I remember, why do I not remember Ava's hospital? I don't know, probably because it's in Colorado. Yeah, I remember Leah was born at Proctor Hospital. Aiden was born at St. Joseph's. Matthew was born, he was supposed to be born at Menorah, but he was born at uh, Over in the Park Regional Hospital because he was in the NICU over there. I don't remember Ava's birth, uh, hospital, though. It was somewhere in Colorado, somewhere in Denver. I'll have to look that one up. But Lee is the only one I remember what time she was born at, one forty-seven in the morning. I remember details of that day. I'm not going to go that deep right now about that. But yeah, it's interesting. Bonds. Like someone in the Bible says that we're supposed to be born again. I come sometimes wonder, like, 
if some of us, the reason why we don't feel saved or we don't feel born again or our relationship with God, with Jesus is so fickle or like we don't really act like Christians or desire to read his word or spend time in prayer or, you know, be around other Christians. Ooh, that's a whole nother topic, but especially our relationship with Jesus. The reason why sometimes I feel like a lot of it is kind of shallow and not that strong is because maybe the bond on the front end wasn't that strong. Like we were just reciting words at church and going down for an altar call, but we didn't like really, I'm not saying you have to have some full blown experience, but I always say it is good to have somewhat of an encounter with the Lord. Like for my brother, for my dad, it was 1983. For me, it was out in California in Chinatown, um, LA. Uh, even though, and yeah, even going back, further when i was six years old i remember being it was, yeah i remember my blanket was this mickey mouse blanket um and i remember being on my knees or just at my bedside or whatever and singing that song that salty tape come into my heart Come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I feel like at that moment, my life was never the same. And I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. What if churches changed the way that they did altar calls and made it to where it didn't feel like such a sterile environment situation but more of like, um, that would be a cool thing. Like if I was ever a pastor, whenever I did altar calls, I would treat it like I would somehow, I would have my, um, I would have some kind of costume or something like that and pretend to be like a doctor and, and labor and delivery. And I have somebody dress up like a nurse. It'll be my wife. <laughs> and I would like be like, all right, we're about to uh give birth to some yeah and just talk about the concept like what it is means to be born again and not just walk i will walk people down the romans road to salvation but really help them understand like hey this is a new bond just like when you um, picture remember what it was like when you had your first child or if you've seen if you actually witnessed childbirth or just imagine what it is what it means to have a child or yeah, just think about that, that and just that bond that is formed between a mother and their child early on and the breastfeeding. And that's why it's important to read the word of God, because it's like you're getting your food as a bait. Yeah, there's even a scripture that talks about Paul says as newborn babes. He talks about like desiring the sincere milk or the milk of God or the word of God or something like that. Anyway, and then eventually as you get older and then you start chewing on the word, like you shouldn't really have to, you shouldn't be stumbling over elementary things. Anyway, I'm on like a super duper long tangent, but all right. Sockets, the hangings of the court, his pillar in verse 17, the hangings of the courts running out of time, y'all. The hanging, uh, where was I? The hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest. <laughs> I got the hiccups. Holly, if you hear me. And the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came both men and women, as many as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord, and every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of ram and badger skins and brought them. That sounds, this sounds like this stuff is expensive. I'm imagining like some Louis Vuitton 
type materials here. Everyone, uh, everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering and every man with whom was found shittim wood, promise I'm not cursing, for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose heart stirred them up. I love that phrase, heart stirred them up. In fact, that's what I'm probably going to call this, heart stirred. And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil. And for the sweet incense, sweet brother Nunsay. Ah, the children of Israel. That's a nod to my brother. He'll understand what I just did. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring forth all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel. That's an interesting name. I'm sure there's some girl, a young lady out there right now who has the name Bezalel. That's how you know her parents are like uber Christians, like, or they're from that area, the Middle East or something like that. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, see the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri. The son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. Oh, Bezalel is a boy name. I immediately thought of a girl name for some reason. And the ha and he hath filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And to devise curious works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones. To set them and in carving of wood and to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and a holy ab, a holy ab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and, and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work. And of those that devise cunning work. The weaver. God is the ultimate weaver. Once again, life is like a tapestry. It's ugly and doesn't make sense on one side and is beautiful on the other side. You have to endure watching him weave the ugly parts and the confusing parts. And the parts that just don't make, yeah, the parts that just don't make sense on one side to be able to fully enjoy the masterpiece that is at work on the other side when we cross over into heaven and we get to see, like, why all those times we ask, why, why, God, like, where we felt inconvenienced or we had to overcome that obstacle or we we didn't get that job. We didn't get that. Our wife left us or our husband. For those of y'all who married to the man, your husband left you. Um, your, your father passes away unexpectedly of, of a heart attack. Um, just all these little details like all those times you hit a pothole and, you know, he blew a tire out and you're like, ah, and but God was like saving you or something or like he you met somebody named Joseph along the way in the journey or you got these unexpected funds like today. Oh, man, I got so many stories of unexpected funds. Yeah, like. I'll close it out with this, like, so, yeah, some of y'all know I might have shared that I hit a pothole. All right, let's go back. Let's go back even further. My car, my main car, um, I hit a deer and a week after that, it, but it was still drivable. It's just cosmetic on the front end. It's just, yeah, the whole chunk in the middle of the front of my car is all taken out. And then I was rear-ended by a young man on the way to church who did not have insurance. 
And then I almost got shot on the way to church a few weeks ago. Some dude was like randomly shooting. And yeah, I got a rental car. And then recently that rental car through Avis, through Uber Avis, their program, I hit a pothole. And the I busted the left front tire. And it's crazy because one of my riders earlier that day also hit a pothole on the left front tire. It literally was like a couple rides right before that happened when I hit the pothole. Yeah, somebody else I picked up had hit a pothole. And they were in an Altima, a white Altima, just like mine. Well, I used to have an old white Nissan Altima. Anyway, uh, what else? Uh, I ended up having to meet multiple Uber Uber drivers along the way. Um, yeah, and they sold in some. They sold into my life. I was able to sell into their lives. One of the guys. The tow truck driver, the tow truck driver who got me, his name was Joseph. After I just was talking to my brother about um, how life sometimes, a lot of times, seems scripted, and we're walking into these scenarios that God has already pre-planned and preordained before the foundation of the world. He already predestined it, and like Joseph was basically predestined to have to encounter the test of Potiphar's wife. Like I had just told my brother that that morning before I ordered the Uber to go be near the car because I go I didn't realize I had to be near the car and give the guy the key, the tow truck driver the key. <sighs> anyway. So yeah, that guy. Um where is I going with that? His name was Joseph. And then what else? Then I go um, I have to take a Uber, an Uber out to, I ended up switching over to Hertz for their rental program. And there was this cool black guy who gave me, named Carl, who gave me a ride all the way out to uh, Lee Summit or whatever. And it was funny because he had on, there was this hat that I was going to wear, this royal blue hat. And I decided to wear my red Team Jesus hat instead. And I kid you not, when I got in the Uber ride, Carl had on the blue hat that I was going to wear. And if I had just worn that hat, I would have been wearing the same hat. It's funny. Um, anyway, we had a good talk. He, we talked about sports for most, pretty much the whole ride. We talked about a lot of stuff, but mostly sports, uh, basketball, because he used to play basketball for Northwest Missouri State. And he coached basketball, high school basketball, I think at Hogan Prep. Anyway, had a great talk. Uh, anyway, right now it doesn't make sense, y'all. Some of the things that you're dealing with and going through, just the only thing that will ever make sense to me is Jesus. Just keep your eyes fo- focused on him, even when there's chaos all around you. Heavenly Father, I just, Father, I just pray for everyone to listen to this pod today. Surround them with your angels, fill them with your spirit, your love, your power, your your, your peace, your joy. Uh, help us to trust you, obey you, follow you, and to enjoy the journey. Uh, and not and, and be slow to anger, and slow to wrath, to walk out and live out the fruit, the fruit of the spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. A Man. All right, y'all. I'll holler. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, 
we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.